Well, good morning to all of you. We are glad that you are here with us this morning. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving together, whether you spent it at home or on the road this year. I hope you were able to make some memories, enjoy some time with family. Maybe last year you weren't able to have Thanksgiving, and so maybe this is the first time in a couple years you were able to see some people. I hope that you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. My uh, family spent our time in Ohio with our two families. Our, both of our parents are from Columbus or lived there, and uh, we had a, a great time just seeing family, uh, and I hope the same for you. We actually had a special treat. Uh, Ashley and I were able to go over and uh, visit with Steve and Sarah Harley uh, for a couple hours at their new home, and uh, you know, Steve and Sarah were here for 16 years uh, up until last April, and then they moved up there and uh, they're doing really well, and, uh, and um, the girls are doing well. They've kind of all adjusted well, so it was a great opportunity to be able to see them. It's a treat for me because Steve uh, took this position at this church. He is uh, about 20 minutes from where I grew up, so uh, it was a, a treat to be able to go and spend some time with them this week. You know, it's hard to believe, uh, Aubrey said kind of in the announcement video, it's hard to believe that December is uh, this week. Of course, we say that all the time. Time is always flying. You can never believe that it is the time that it is. But this means that we are in the last week of November, and that means that we're wrapping up uh, our series called The Chosen. And I, I pray that you've seen your love of Jesus increase through these messages, increase through these stories through these episodes of the show that we've been watching together, uh, The Chosen. And we're actually, we'll be showing the last two episodes of season one tonight, episodes seven and eight. We'll be here at 6 p.m. and we'll have childcare available if you want to come out. It actually gives you the opportunity. You have until, when you get home today, you have just enough time to binge watch all of season one up until uh, the episodes tonight. Uh, and you can still join us for the, the season finale. If you haven't been keeping up, you want to watch at home, or if you want to skip ahead and watch season two, if you've already, if you're done with season one or after tonight, you want to go on to season two, uh, you can always stream the episodes for free at thechosen.com or through the chosen app on your smartphone. Uh, They have made it readily available. They want people to see these stories. They want people to experience this. Uh, You can even buy the DVDs if you're old school. uh, I don't think there's a VHS, so it's not that old school. Uh, you got to step it up a little bit, but there are DVDs you can buy on Amazon, things like that. Uh, But you can always stream it for free. You know, we've been pretty happy with the uh, the crowds we've seen for these. Uh, Down at our Beckley campus, they've been renting out a movie theater each week. And I'm sorry, we're not that fancy, but... Uh, they've been renting out a movie theater each week, and they've had about 60 people every week, um, which is awesome for them. Uh, and our St. Albans campus has been seeing good numbers. We've been seeing it here. And so uh, even our Marmette campus, small as they are, they've been doing it every Wednesday together. Uh, and so this seems to be going really well. And I, I think uh, we're kind of headed towards in January after the, the start of the year. I think we're going to start on season two together. It's not an official announcement, but that's kind of the way it's been trending because people have enjoyed this so much. Now, this far in our sermon series, uh, we've said that we've made these statements uh, about Jesus, who Jesus is, and we've looked at different stories through the Gospels that show who Jesus is. And so thus far, we've said that Jesus knows me completely, and there is no one who knows me like Jesus knows me. He knows me fully, inside and out, all my deepest, darkest secrets, and yet he still loves me more than anyone else. We've said that he invites me into a a relationship with himself to follow him and to be changed by him. 
And last week we said that he amazes me with his miracles. He amazes me with his teaching, and he amazes me with the grace that he so freely offers. And so today, as we wrap up this series, our message is, he loves me. Jesus loves me. Such a simple three words, yet so big to all of us. It's a truth, unfortunately, that we have a tendency to forget, especially when life comes at us the hardest. Now, if you grew up in church, you probably heard the old children's song that goes by this name, Jesus Loves Me. Uh, You know, I'm not going to sing it for you, but it goes a little something like this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Now, what you, you may know that song. Maybe you were singing or saying it along with me. You knew all the words because you've heard it so many times. But what you might not know is the origin of that sweet little song. That song is perhaps the most popular Christian children's song written in America. And it was penned by a woman named Anna Bartlett Warner way back in 1860. Born on Long Island, New York, her father was a successful New York, City, New York City lawyer, and her mother came from a wealthy, fashionable family from New York's Hudson Square. Well, unfortunately, Anna's mother died when she was young, and her father lost his fortune in the panic of 1837, which forced her family to move from their New York City mansion to an old farmhouse near West Point, New York. In 1849, in an effort to help her father support the family, she and her sister Susan began writing some stories and books and poems to sell. And as devout Christians, Anna and her sister led Bible studies for the young cadets at the West Point Military Academy. Today, their family home is a museum on the West Point property. And the music for this poem that they wrote Jesus Loves Me, it was made into a song with this music, and the music was added in 1862 by William Batchelder Bradbury. And the poem had originally been written by Warner in the context of a story about a young and very sick boy named Johnny who was being comforted by his teacher, Mr. Linden. In this sickness, the reminder of Jesus loves me. When I am weak, he is strong. And that's the history and a little bit of context for the song, Jesus Loves Me. And as I mentioned before, we all have this tendency to forget that small, simple truth sometimes. Jesus loves me. Imagine how different our world might be if we could plant this seed deep into every child's heart and nurture it and model it as they grew up. But the model it part is definitely an area where we can struggle sometimes. Perhaps you grew up in a home where you attended church each week and you heard about the love of Jesus. But when it came to modeling it, the other hours of your week were filled with words and actions that were not Christ-like. Perhaps your parents proclaimed the love of Jesus, but didn't model it for you. See, his followers can amplify his light for sure, but they can also block his light from being seen. Last week, we talked about the amazing attributes of Jesus, and we said that he came to offer grace in a time where condemnation was the norm. He came to this world to love, not to hate. Jesus came and he changed the world with his love, and we live in a world today that could use more 
of that love. We need more love in our lives. We need more love in our marriages, more love in our families, more in our churches, and more in our communities. The love that comes from God reaches down into our world, into our messy, sinful lives, and it comes to save us. That's why God sent Jesus. He did not send Jesus into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Paul says in Titus chapter 3, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Jesus came to this world to embody the love of God. Earlier we saw in our focus verse that God is love. And so Jesus was sent into this world to embody the love of God and save us. The Gospels are full of stories that demonstrate this truth. And perhaps more amazing is that He loves us when we are foolish. He loves us when we're disobedient. And He loves us when we're slaves to our passions and pleasures. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend it because He loves us even when we don't deserve it. Why would any of us, why would anyone love us when we are such an aggravating, frustrating, disobedient bunch? But you know what? He does. He does love you and He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And so this morning, I want to look at three examples of times that Jesus loves us when it doesn't make any sense to love us. And so first, I want to look at how He loves me even when I won't let go of what I have to have Him. The story of the rich young ruler is a story that can be found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we're going to be looking at the version that comes from Mark chapter 10 this morning, if you have your Bible with you. Now, the rich young ruler approaches Jesus with a really important question. It's really a good question. He is a follower of the way. He's the follower of of the law. He has followed all the commandments. He's been brought up right. And so he knows that there's something more that he lacks. And he comes to Jesus. He respects Jesus enough, knows who Jesus is enough to come and ask this question. And so he approaches Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You have these people you might have gone to school with, or maybe you're one of these people, they just want to keep learning. They've done all the things, but how can I get better at this? What must I do to do better at this? And so he goes to the source. What what must I do to inherit eternal life? This this guy, he, he, he seems like his heart is in the right place. He's on the right track. He appears to be a good man, raised in a good home. He knew all of the commandments of the Lord. And so what a great question this is for him to ask. But despite all that, Jesus knew the truth, and that was that he had a huge obstacle that stood in his way. And that obstacle for this young man, it came in the form of, a, of his possessions that he had accumulated in his life. See, they were really important, so important, in fact, that it blocked him from fully submitting to Jesus. 
And so notice what Mark records here in Jesus' response. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and loves him. Before Jesus gives an answer, he looks at him and loves him. Because Jesus loved this young man even when he knew how he would react when he gave his answer in just a moment. See, Jesus knew what he would say, and he knew how the guy would react to that, and he looked at him, and he loved him. In that moment, there was compassion. There was love coming from Jesus. And that's tough to do when you know that their response to what you're about to say is going to result in them walking away from you and denying you. And this is yet another reason, millions upon millions of reasons, why Jesus is much better than I am. He's a much better person than I am because I don't know how many of you are like me, but I struggle with copying an attitude when someone asks my opinion on something and then doesn't use it, or worse yet, they choose the opposite. I don't know how many husbands can relate with me that their wife would come and say, honey, what should I wear today? And you say that one. She goes, great, I'll do this one, right? And what I want to say, what I really want to say when somebody does that to me is, Don't ask my opinion if you're not going to listen to it. And if you ask my wife, Ashley, sometimes she'll she'll say that sometimes I really do say that to her. Why would you ask me that question if you're not going to pay attention to what I say? But not Jesus. See, Jesus knew that this man was going to ask him this question. And then when he gave the answer, here's how you can do it. The man would then choose his possessions over following him. And yet, before he gave the answer, he still looked at him and loved him. He looked at him with compassion and love. Verse 21 continues, One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And what stuck out to me always in that story is that's just the end. He just walked away. That, that was the end. He was sad and he walked away. He said, I can't do it. I'm sorry, it's too, it's too important for me. Now maybe this has been pointed out to you before, but this man's possessions might be the equivalent to something else in your life. You know, you might be sitting there like, this is great. I don't have that many possessions. Possessions, not a problem for me, all right? Now I am good. But this man's possessions might be the equivalent in your life to your career or or to your kid's sports team or to your significant other, whatever it might be that you put on a pedestal that causes you to not follow Jesus the way you could be, to not fully submit to him. Whatever is going to keep you from fully submitting to Jesus, that is what Jesus would tell you that you need to give up in order to inherit the kingdom of God, in order to have And so you can attend every church service. You can memorize the entire Bible. You can pray eight times a day. But if you were to approach Jesus, he would cut right to the heart of the matter and ask, yeah, but what about this? You know what? Even as you allow whatever it is to get in the way, even as you allow what you have in your hands already to keep you from grasping his... Jesus loves you. He has compassion for you. He pursues you. He wants you to let go of whatever it is you're holding on to to take hold of Him. The second way that Jesus loves us even when it doesn't make sense 
is when he loves me, even when my pain creates doubt in my faith. So one of the biggest causes of doubting God's existence or doubting his love for us is pain and suffering. It's the evil in the world. Skeptics often use these topics to argue against our faith, and Satan can certainly use them to sow seeds of doubt in the life of a believer, even the strongest believer. And while there are lots of different kinds of pain that can happen, different types of suffering that we can go through, none is more painful, none is more final than the death of a loved one. It is a gut-wrenching, soul-shaking pain, and it can cause a person to become bitter in their faith. In John chapter 11, we read about the pain of death and how it touched even the heart of Jesus. See, Jesus had some good friends in a place called Bethany, and every time he would pass through there, he would stop and visit with them, maybe stay the night. Their names were Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and they were all siblings. Now, you may remember these names from the story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus stops by their home and a very busy Martha is rushing around preparing the meal, getting the house ready, and she gets upset that her sister Mary is only spending time with Jesus. She's not helping out at all. But then Jesus says, I understand your frustration with your sister Martha, but today Mary has just chosen the good part that really matters. So come sit with us for a while. And Jesus, he was really close with these siblings. He went through a lot with these siblings and he cared for them deeply. And we see three times in John 11 just how much he cared for them. It's stated that Jesus loved them three different times in this chapter. In verse 3, the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Jesus had a close relationship with Lazarus. He had a special bond with Lazarus. He loved him. In verse 5, John says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. These weren't just acquaintances. These were people that were close to Jesus. But when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, instead of rushing over to see him, he stayed for two more days where he was. He knew Lazarus had died because he told his disciples, yet he remained there for two more days. Well, on the fourth day after Lazarus had died, Jesus and his disciples, they make their way into town. And when they get there, they find a great crowd of people have come there to support the family after Lazarus has died. And when Jesus got close through the crowd, Martha came out and said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's the first thing. If you had been here, where have you been? I sent for you. Where have you been? Jesus said, don't worry your brother will rise again. And then Mary came out of the house crying. She fell at Jesus' feet and said the same thing that Martha had said. It's almost like they spent the last four days getting bitter over this. We called for him. We knew he could do something about it, but he, he refused to come. Where is he? Why wouldn't he come? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus felt the weight of these two sisters' questions and their pain, and he saw Mary's tears, John says that he also cried. John 11.35, Jesus wept. 
Boy, that's such a simple, short verse. In fact, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. This is a verse that I always uh, include. I always assign to the campers in our middle school week at camp because I just want everybody to be able to get on the board. Like, everybody can at least get this one memory verse, right? If we can just get the ball rolling. What? John eleven thirty five. lay it on me. Jesus wept. Awesome. All right, you got one, right? It's like your participation trophy for memory work. And so, you know, we laugh, we joke about it, it's that, but this is such a short verse, such a simple verse, yet one of the most impactful in the Bible. Because here we have Jesus, fully God, but fully man. And he's driven to tears over the loss of his close friend Lazarus, after, over the pain that his sisters are feeling. And notice the next verse, John eleven thirty six. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And he got the Messiah in tears because of the pain, because of the loss. This morning you may be experiencing some sort of pain in your life. I don't know what you came in with this morning. I don't know how deep it runs. I don't know what you're going through in your life. I know that the holidays can bring up some really bad times. It can be really great times. It can be really lonely times, really tough times. Times that, thing, things that remind you of times that used to be. And that pain may be causing you to doubt God's existence. It may be causing you to doubt God's love. You may be experiencing the same thing that Mary and Martha were asking. You might be crying out, Lord, why weren't you here for me? How could you let this happen to me? I cried out to you. I called out and you didn't show up. Where have you been? Lord, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. My brother would not have died. Why did you let this? How could you let this happen to me? The problem of pain in our world and in our lives is a really big problem. It's something that we all go through to varying degrees. And it's kept a lot of people from faith. It's caused a lot of people to leave their faith because we can't reconcile how could this happen. We see pain as a condition that God has either caused or allowed and we can't, we can't accept a God like that. Or, or we see pain and suffering as evidence that there can't possibly be a God, at least not a good one. Unless He's an evil God, there's no way that He could allow this pain in my life. But do you realize that your pain is evidence of the love of God? In his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis said, I suggest to you that it is because God loves us that he gives us the gift of suffering. Because God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience. But he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so the next time that you experience pain, even the worst of pain, go to God in prayer and ask Him, what are you saying to me now, Lord? What would you have me to learn from this, Lord? What do you need me to hear, Lord? And I think you'll hear the answer, what I'm saying to you now is what I've said to you before. I love you, and I always will. The third time that we see the love of Jesus when it doesn't make sense is when he loves me even when I betray him. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Many of us have known that song since we were kids. Maybe it was the first song that you ever learned in Sunday school. Maybe it was the first song you ever learned, period. 
And it's such a simple song, yet it's a truth that I so badly need to be reminded of when I sin against Him. In John chapter 13, we see things are coming to a close, coming to a climax in the ministry of our Savior Jesus. It's getting close to the end, and Jesus doesn't have much time left on this earth, but the hardest part lays before Him. And it's not just the cross that he's going to have to endure, but also the betrayal of those that he had poured his life into over the last three years. The time that he had spent, oh, the people that he had spent all this time with, had done ministry with, taught with, there's going to be betrayal that's about to happen. There was Judas who decided to betray Jesus for a measly 30 pieces of silver. And then there was Peter, who after all he had been through, after all the time he had spent at Jesus' side, all he had learned from Jesus, betrayed Jesus when all the cards were on the table. But Jesus knew all that was going to happen. Of course he did. He's Jesus. And yet, before Jesus made the bigger sacrifice, he humbled himself to that of a servant and washed the feet of the disciples. Knowing what lay before him, knowing the decisions that his closest friends were about to make, he knelt before them and he washed their feet. Of course, this was merely a precursor to the events that were about to happen as he would go to the cross for them just hours later. And as we read through the gospel accounts, we're tempted to be critical that the disciples didn't do more. How could you not do something to stop this? Why wouldn't you try to prevent this, fight against this? We're critical of Peter because how could the same guy who walked on water, who had this immense faith, then turn around and deny Jesus three times after Jesus told him exactly how it would go down? We look at Judas and think, how could you betray the Messiah? We we view him as a coward because of his awful act of betrayal. But friends, here's the truth. We're also traitors. We are also cowards. Because we know that Christ has gone to the cross for us, that he has defeated the grave for each of us, and yet we commit these acts of betrayal and cowardice with our sin every day. But just like Jesus knew that his disciples would betray him, he knew that you and I would as well. And he still went to the cross. As the disciples sat at their final meal with Jesus, after he had finished washing their feet, he tells them, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that was a statement that made more sense in the days following than when he said it in the moment. He says this right before Judas would set things in motion with his betrayal. And Jesus is telling his disciples that he was about to endure everything that he was going to go through because he loved them so much. When you see what I'm about to go through, know that it was worth it. He's telling them that they were worth him laying down his life for them. And he's telling you and I that we're worth it too. Before we betray him the next time, He's saying that you are worth me laying down my life for. Everything that I've been through, you were worth it. 
In Romans 5, 8, Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when you cleaned yourself up, not when you were all pretty and ready to go, not when you got everything squared away. While you were still a sinner, you were worth it. Christ died for you. Jesus died for you and me while we were still in our sin, knowing that we would sin again and again because he loves us so much. Jesus loves me even when I betray him. This morning we've looked at three times in our lives where we can be sure that Jesus loves us beyond comprehension. It doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't make him love us any less. I mean, if you were in a relationship where someone treated you the way that we treat Jesus, your support system would tell you, you've got to get out of that. That is an abusive relationship. What are you getting out of this? But instead, Christ takes it all upon himself because of his immense love for us. He loves us when we're unlovable. He loves us when we're at our worst. He loves us when we're at our lowest. And I hope that truth empowers you and inspires you to live differently, to live for Him, to live in a way that is pleasing to God, to tell others about His love because they need to know that they have a Savior that loves them when they feel unlovable, when nobody else is there, when they feel alone, Jesus loves me. And so my hope and my prayer for you is similar to what the Apostle Paul prayed and wrote in, in Ephesians 3 when he says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning and we... So regularly forget how much you love us. The things of this life come and they block out that love sometimes. And so Father, we may have walked in here this morning and we may have forgotten this simple yet so powerful truth. Jesus loves me. And it doesn't make sense sometimes it's beyond our comprehension It's a mystery sometimes. How could anybody love me? And in those moments, even if that were true, even if there was nobody else that loved me, Jesus loves me more than anybody ever could. So Father, this morning, I don't know what everybody walked in here with. We carry our own burdens. We carry our own baggage. We're going through different things right now. But I'm confident that everybody that came this morning needs to hear the truth. Jesus loves me. I pray that would be something that we repeat to ourselves over and over again. That even when it doesn't make sense, even when I try to walk away, even when it seems like you're not there, Jesus loves me. Father, we're so thankful for your love, that you are love, that any love that we could ever know comes from you. 
because you are love. And so, Father, I pray that we would hear that truth and we would store that away in our hearts and that we would live for you, that we would know that you sent your son, Jesus, because you love us all so much, you sent your son, Jesus, to this world so that we would not perish, but that we could have eternal life with you. That you sent your son, Jesus, not to condemn the world, but to save them. So, Father, I pray that that would be a truth that permeates everything we do. And that we would love one another as an offshoot of the love that you have for us. And that we would see the fullness of love through that. Father, this morning, I pray that we would walk out of here full of love, knowing that you love us so much. We would be thankful for your love. We would be thankful for your grace. We would be thankful for a Savior that though we betray him, though we sin against him, would knowingly go to the cross for us. And we're thankful that he defeated the grave, overcame this world, so we would have a hope for eternal life. So Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you come this morning and you don't have the relationship with Jesus yet, if you've not surrendered your life over to Him, if you've been trying to do it on your own and carry your own burdens and and just trying to do this life on your own, if if you've been holding on to these things and saying, no, I can't can't let go of it. If, If I let go, it'll break. If I let go, I'll lose control. It's time to let it go. It's time to come and say, I relinquish control. I relinquish these things because it doesn't matter anymore. Because all that matters is that I have Jesus as the king of my life. So if you come this morning and you've not made that decision already, man, there is no better day than today because there's no decision that could be greater than to put him at the head of your life and say, I'm going to follow him with everything I have from this day forward. I'm going to look to love him every way I can from this day forward and tell others about him. So you can come this morning and be baptized and we will celebrate with you because you will go down as your old self and come back a new creation in Christ, fully redeemed forever. So if you have that decision to make, I'll be right down front. I'd like to talk to you about that. If you come this morning and you are dealing with some emotional pain and suffering right now, if there's something going on in in your life or the life of a loved one, the greatest gift that we have to combat the evils of this world is direct communication with the Father, that we can go to Him and say, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I know you're there and I just want to cry out to you right now to involve God in whatever situation might be going on. So I'll, I'll be right down front. I'd love to pray with you, pray over whatever situation it might be. Just join with you in that. So if you have a decision to make or if you just need some prayer this morning, I'll be down front, but let's stand and sing our final song together.